Good morning, church family. Uh, first of all, thank you, John, for that uh, beautiful prayer. Thank you, Anne-Marie and Denise, for that beautiful song. People do need the Lord. And, um, you know, I'm reminded of uh, when Stephanie was reading Psalm 25. I, uh, it's fascinating how we, we serve a God who does not remember the sins of our past, but he is ever-present in our present, and he will guide us into our future. And so... What a great God we serve. I want to just, uh, just make an appeal. If you have never heard David Brady preach, you want to be here next Saturday night, next Sunday morning. It will be a blessing for you. He will challenge us. He will challenge us as a church family to really move out beyond our walls to touch this community because that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It needs to be shared with everyone. And so with that, as we uh, open up the Word of God today, I want to invite you to open to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, and we're going to be looking at a woman at a well who needed the Lord. And uh, we can learn a lot from her, not only in her encounter with Jesus Christ, but then what she did with that good news that Jesus had given to her. And as you're turning to John chapter 4, I want to um, share some statistics with you. In 2019, Charleston became the number one moving destination in the United States. How many of you have moved since 2019? We want to see who you are. Who's creating all that traffic in the area? <laughs> Only kidding. Uh, in 2021, Charleston's population grew three times the national average. There are 819,000 people in the Tri-County area today. 819,000 people. Pre-pandemic, it's interesting we, we talk about things in pre-pandemic and post-pandemic, but pre-pandemic, about 90,000 people attended church on any given Sunday. 55% of those who are moving into Charleston, and by the way, Charleston is averaging 33 new people every single day. 33 people are moving into this city every single day. And 55% of them, that's 16 or 17 of them, have no faith background whatsoever or they have left the church. 11% are actively seeking a church family to be a part of. Well, I was one of those 11% back in 1988. I moved from Baltimore, Maryland, went to school in New York. Some of you know my story. But I want to tell you this morning, I haven't shared this piece of my story with you, how I ended up at Ashley River. It's quite humorous, if you think about it. Here I was, a 23-year-old engineer from the Merchant Marine Academy, relocating to a city I had never, I probably couldn't have even pointed it out on a map. And uh, my parents followed me in my little Ford Escort down the road here to Charleston. And so I had a decision to make. And the decision was, do I find a church family to be a part of? Here I am, this single guy, 
And uh, I decided I wanted to go visit a church, but there was a problem because I was raised as a staunch football guy. I love sports. I played sports from the time I was six years old. Football, basketball, baseball. My father had season tickets at the Baltimore Colts games. Many of you may know John Unitas. My dad knew John Unitas. And so I have a picture of me at five years old with Johnny Unitas. And so football was part of my DNA. And football was on Sunday. And now I want to go to church. So i got to find a church that lets me out in time for me to get home by noon so that I can watch the NFL today. So I found a church that started at 10.30. I have no idea about churches in the South. I have no idea about the different denominations. And so I found a church up in North Charleston that began at 10.30. I'm thinking to myself, 10.30, 11.30, I'll be out. I'll be able to get on the road, get home, and watch NFL Live with Bob Costas. This is exciting. I can have my religion, my faith, and I can also have my other faith of football. Well, folks, the place that I went to was an assembly of God. <laughs> they didn't even stop singing until 12 noon. <laughs> the pastor gets up there, and he is in a three-piece suit with cowboy boots, and I knew I was in trouble. He added syllables to every single word. You think I preach for long? Go visit up there the Assemblies Church. And so after I got home about 1 o'clock and missed half of uh, NFL, most of NFL Live, just in time to watch the game, I called my mom and I said, Mom, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? These churches down here, man, they go forever. She goes, you need to go to a Baptist church. <laughs> so I went to a Baptist church. On my way to the shipyard every morning, I would pass a church right on Sam Rittenberg Boulevard. Many of you know it. It's a Baptist church down there on the left-hand side. And so I went to that church, and I slipped into the back. It started at 11, but I figured I live at Village Square Apartments. It's just five minutes away. I can get home in time. And I sat there. And you know what? It must have been a God thing because the preacher was preaching on Revelation. And that's one of the books that I love in the Bible, so I was really excited. But I will tell you, I was the youngest person in that entire congregation by a long shot. And so here I am, this 23-year-old, I had a good service, I worshiped the Lord, I get home, I get my hungry man's dinner out of the microwave, and I am hearing this knock on the door. And I'm like, nobody knows me in this town, who is knocking at my door? Do I go and I open up the door, my hungry man's dinner is sitting on the ottoman? There's two beautiful old ladies who are like coming up to me and going, hey, can we come in and visit? And I'm sitting there thinking, I want to watch NFL Live, but I can't tell these ladies no. And so I invite them in. And then they ask me the question, will you start our singles ministry? I'm like, I just visited you. You want me to start your singles ministry? And so I was confused and and I called my mom and I said, okay, mom, I don't know what's going on down here. She's like, you've got to find a church that's already got a singles ministry. <laughs> so I looked in the yellow pages. One of the first churches that had a nice big ad was Ashley River Baptist Church. 
and it said there in fine print, and I focused in on it, Singles Ministry. Aha! I found it. And so I came through that back door that next Sunday, and I met Patsy Day. Patsy Day brought me down right over there, right in that center section where all the singles used to hang out. John Spearman was our teacher, our Sunday school teacher. Anne-Marie and Philip were sitting right over there, and I sat right next to Philip Fairchild. And I never left Ashley River Baptist Church. God brought me to here. And now here I am, opening up the Word of God. Amen. Isn't that amazing? Amen. How God can use this, this crazy, kind of weird guy from Baltimore, Maryland, to preach the Word of God to a church family that opened their arms to me. You know what? I don't know what the sermon was that Sunday. It was Ed Carney. But I do remember this. The people that sat over there they invited me to lunch. They welcomed me in. They made me feel like I'm part of them. And every Sunday night, we would go over one of the singles' apartments, and we would hang out. And we just had a great time building relationships. Well, I will tell you, two years later, that summer, 1990, there were 13 weddings out of that singles group. <laughs> Susan and I were one of them, weren't we, Susan? And they all said after us, Anne-Marie and Philip got married that same Sunday, Craig and, um, uh, who was the, uh, Mary, C Craig and Mary Atkins, they got married, all these people got married, and they were all looking at me and Susan going, well, if they can do it, we can do it too. <laughs> but we come to a point where God is wanting to work on the hearts and lives of everyone, and we come to John chapter 4, and we know this story of the Samaritan woman at the well, and Jesus, who is traveling back to Galilee with his disciples, he comes to the well, and he is there about midday, and he sits down, and this woman comes to the well with her water jar, and then Jesus shares with her Give me some of this water. And she says, well, you have no, nothing to dip into the well. He says, if you ask me, if you ask me, I would give you living water that springs up into eternal life. She said, oh, give me that water. And he said, then go, get your husband. And she says, I have no husband. And he says, you are right. You don't have a husband. You had five husbands, and now you are shacked up with a sixth. And so she says, I perceive that you're a prophet. And he says, the water that I will give to you will well up to eternal life. And she says, I want that water. Messiah, when he comes, he will explain all these things to us. And Jesus looked her in the eyes and he said, I who speak to you am he. And at that moment, this woman became an evangel for Jesus Christ. She trusted him. And so here we're going to pick up the story in verse 27. And let me read the passage for us. Chapter 4 of John, verse 27. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar. 
The woman went back to town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Verse 34, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say four more months and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Father, this is your word. I pray that you will open our hearts and our minds and our eyes to see around us. People do need the Lord and help us to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ who himself looked up saw the fields white for harvest, and himself impelled, compelled his disciples to sharing the greatest news that they could ever tell, the gospel of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. You know, as I think about this particular passage, we are, we are introduced to the three aspects of our partnership with God, because we as Christians are on partnership with God. We're on a mission with him. And the first aspect is spiritual water. Spiritual water. Look at what it says there in uh, verses 27 through um, 30. Just then his disciples returned. So let's set the stage. Here he is. He is at the well with this woman. His disciples had gone into town, into Sychar, and had gone to get food to bring it back. And so as they were coming, here's this woman standing here talking with Jesus. First of all, she is a Samaritan. And a Samaritan is someone that most Jews look down on. Secondly, she is a woman. No self-respecting man in that day would speak with a woman. But thirdly, she was not just a Samaritan woman, but she was also a sinful woman who had had many husbands and who had led a promiscuous life. And she had all the reasons in the world to believe that she was not savable by God. But friends, this morning, God doesn't care about your past. Can I just hear testify that God doesn't care about Randy Disharoon's past? He wants to change me little by little, all day long, every day for the rest of my life. He wants me to become more and more like Jesus. Am I going to fall? Absolutely. Have I fallen? Absolutely. Have you fallen? Absolutely. Will you fall again? Yes. But God wants to keep you in Him, in Jesus Christ. And so we see here is a woman who literally is a sinful Samaritan woman. Jesus is talking to her. He's having this conversation. And the disciples come back. And when the disciples come back, the spiritual water that Jesus has introduced her to now compels her to go. Look at what it says there in verse 28. Then leaving her water jar. To this woman, 
The water jar was essential for physical survival, but it was unnecessary for spiritual living. The jar she came to fill stands empty, but the empty heart she brought to the well is now full with the word of Jesus Christ, this living water. Well, what is this living water? Turn over in John chapter 7. John, just a few chapters later, John chapter 7. And it says in verse 37, these words, Jesus, of course, is standing up at the Feast of Tabernacles. By the way, uh, today is the last day of the festival of Sukkot. And Sukkot is the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of the Ingathering. It is a way in which the Jewish people celebrate the harvest of the Lord. Isn't that amazing that today is the final day of Sukkot, the Festival of Tabernacles? Well, it's at the tabernacles that Jesus is gathered there in in this area for them. And he says in verse 37, on the last and greatest day of the feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, if anyone is thirsty, Let him come to me and drink. Whoever, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. And we get an explanation here. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. And so here we see the the beauty of how the Spirit comes into your life when you believe. Who is it available to? All, anyone, whosoever will, may come. We see in the scriptures over and over and over again this beautiful picture of how God brings us into a right relationship with him. You see, the world is trying to fill their water jar with the things of this world, whether it's fame or fortune or physical health or good looks, whatever it is, people are trying to fill their water jar with an old life. But you have to keep coming back and filling it again and again and again. I'm reminded in Hebrews chapter 10, the author says this, Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he has to offer the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. You see, we're all trying to satisfy our lives with the temporal, with this world. But there are people out there that if they ever get a taste of this living water, they will never thirst again. That is what Jesus promised. The Hebrews author goes on to say this, but... After the, he explains the priests have to again and again, over and over, offer sacrifice for sin. He then says, but when this priest, Jesus Christ, when the high priest, Jesus Christ, offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Amen and hallelujah. Jesus' sacrifice paid the penalty for all. 
and all who will come to him may come. The, let the living water flow out of you. In Isaiah 55, verse 1, it says this, Come, all of you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, buy and eat. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus himself said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's available to all. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him who hears, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever thirsts, whoever thirsts, and whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Do you know people right now in your sphere of influence, in your friendship group, who need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, who need to know that this water that you can give to them will well up into eternal life. We have 800,000 people in Charleston who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter what other churches do, this church, Ashley River, will stand out on the roadway, the byway, the highway. We will tell the world that Jesus Christ saves. Amen. Because what happens in this life really doesn't matter. It's about the life after. The life after. You know what's interesting is? is that this woman became a great evangel. She went into the town and told them all that they, Jesus had told her. She said, could this be the Messiah? She was an evangelist. She went to share the good news of Jesus, but she had no credentials. None. No credentials. In fact, most would say this woman probably should have gone home and kept it all to herself. But instead, she runs into the very town that knew everything about her herself. She went into that town. She had no credentials. She was a sinful Samaritan woman. All she had is all she needed, the life-changing testimony of Jesus Christ in her heart. That's all she had. She was enthusiastic. The word enthusiastic, if you break it down, is entheos, God within. She was enthusiastic because she had the Holy Spirit flowing through her life. You know, there are a lot of intelligent, self-righteous people who will miss heaven because they refuse to come with a childlike faith to the Savior of the world. This woman came. Now, I'm, I'm sure many of you are saying, yeah, but Randy, that's easy for you. You're a preacher. You can talk to anybody about your faith. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit that lives in you is the same Holy Spirit that guides any of us into all truth, gives us the very words to say. Amen. Somebody came up to me last week and said, Randy, that was a great evangelistic sermon. Can you share with us how to share our faith? Let me just give you three questions you can ask. Here are three questions that all of us can ask. Do you remember last week I said plant, P-L-A-N-T. Pray for opportunities to share. Look around for those who need to hear that good news. Ask questions. Nurture the relationship and find their need. And then ultimately tell them his story as well as your story. Plant. 
But here are three questions. Do you have any kinds of spiritual beliefs? Do you have any kinds of spiritual beliefs? If you're at the uh, workplace this week and you come in, you can always say, listen, we had a great worship experience last, this past Sunday at my church. I was wondering, do you have any kind of spiritual beliefs? And let them talk. It's interesting what you'll learn. Another question is to you, who is Jesus? You can say, when, at my church, we believe that Jesus is God. Jesus is God incarnate. And that he came to save the world from sin. What do you believe about Jesus? And let them talk. You can also ask them, and John Fletcher is wonderful at doing this, if, if you were to die right now, and go to, would you go to heaven? Why would you go to heaven? Do you believe in heaven? Do you believe in hell? Tell me what you think about those things. You know, I think we believe the lie that you just can't bring up religion. No, Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a relationship. So our job is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So those are three questions you can ask, and we'll be doing more as we think about it. But here's the thing. You've got a card that now you can invite people to October 29th. You can say, come out to our community fall festival. And why are we having a community fall festival? Because it's tabernacles, the Feast of Tabernacles. We're celebrating the harvest of God. We're a community of faith that celebrates God's work in our lives. But there's not only the, the spiritual water, the spiritual water, but there is the spiritual food. Look at what it says there back in uh, chapter 4, verse uh, 31. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples start going, well, did somebody else bring him food? They're still thinking on a physical level. And then, of course, in verse 34, he says, my food is to do two things, the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Well, guess what? If that's God's will in Jesus' life, it's God's will for your life and mine. We are to do the will of God, and we are to finish his work. We have been given the great, you know, the great privilege and responsibility. It's not that we just get to go share the good news. We must. We must. It's our mission. It's our calling. We must surrender to God's will. We have to surrender to it. Hudson Taylor, famous missionary, said this, The real secret of an unsatisfied life lies too often and an unsurrendered will. The real secret of an unfulfilled life, unsatisfied life, lies too often in an unsurrendered will. It's a decision that we have to make. Well, what is his will? Turn over uh, two chapters to chapter 6 of John, and let's read these verses. By the way, John continuously, when he introduces a concept, a theological doctrine, what he does is he often explains it chapters later, and we see this here. We call it the keep reading principle. In chapter 6, verses 38 through 40, this is what he's telling his disciples. After saying that he is the bread of life, in verse 38 he says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but I will raise them up at the last day. Verse 40, 
For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So now we know the will of God, that everyone who looks to the Son and believes will be raised in the last day. But that's God's will. What about his work? Let's think about his work. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. When he hung on the cross, he said, it is finished. I have come to do the work that the Father has sent me to do. You realize that as God made the world, as he created the world with his spoken word, he redeems the word, the world, by his living word, Jesus Christ, the bread of life. You and I understand in Deuteronomy when he said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is what Jesus would say in his wilderness temptation. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If your daily diet is the word of God, then your feet will be compelled to move, to go, to tell, to love, to share, because it's the mission that all of us have been given. This is our heartbeat. This is God's heartbeat. Our work, our home, our neighborhood, our kids' sports teams, all of those are our mission field. Do they know that you attend Ashley River Baptist Church? Have you handed your friends and neighbors these cards to say, come to this festival that we are celebrating God's wonderful harvest. This is your opportunity and this is the food that you must eat. So we have spiritual water. We have spiritual food. But then lastly, we have a spiritual harvest. Look at what it says there in verses 35 through 38. Turn back with me to John chapter 4. And he says here, 35 to 38, Do you not say, four more months and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Do you know what is happening here? It's that Jesus Christ is at the well with his disciples. He has just changed this woman's life to the point where she ran off to town to tell all the people about Jesus. And she said, come see a man who told me everything I have ever done. And this throng of people wanted to meet this Jesus that she met. And I believe that what's happening here in this story is that after Jesus tells them, the food that I have is to do the will of God and finish his work. And then he says, you know, you won't say four more months and then the harvest, because typically in agriculture, what you do is you sow the seed, but it doesn't produce an immediate crop. It takes months. And so when you sow the seed in agriculture, you have to wait four months for it to produce a crop. But what Jesus was teaching them was the spiritual uh, idea. And that is this, is that when you sow spiritual seeds in the lives of people, it's an immediate change in them. That the crop comes immediately. And I believe what Jesus was doing was saying, look, here they come. 
the crop, the harvest. And now we're going to reap, you're going to reap what you didn't even work for. But this woman went and she shared the good news of Jesus Christ. And look at what God is doing. He is bringing the harvest in. That's what it says here in some versions of your Bible. It will say the, the fields are white to harvest. Many scholars would say, well, that's because most of the people in that town were wearing white robes. And as they were coming through the grain fields, they were able to see that, in fact, this white mir mirage across the wheat field. And Jesus is saying, look, open your eyes. Here they come. They're coming toward us. This is what Jesus is telling them. It's amazing. The spiritual application of sowing the seed is that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Do you realize that when Jesus said, open your eyes and look at the fields, they are ripe for harvest, that it was Lottie Moon. How many of you know Lottie Moon? Famous missionary to China. She lived in Virginia, raised in a very poor family. But she sat at a church service, a revival service, and the preacher was preaching on this particular passage. And he said, look, the fields are white for harvest. And it was at that moment that Lottie Moon said, I am going to go to China. She became a famous missionary and brought thousands to Christ. This is what God's call is on us. So open our eyes. Draw attention to those coming into our town. 55% of those who are coming have no relationship with Jesus Christ. If they were to die today, they would spend eternity without God. And yet you and I sit in this room and we have the solution. We have the antidote. We have what it takes for them to be healed forever. It's our opportunity. It's our privilege. But it is certainly our responsibility. God doesn't give us a chance to just wait it out and see if they come to us. No, we must go. We must go. Even the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. The mission of God is a team sport. God is our caller. He calls us. He is our coach. He's telling us to go out. Go out on the field, the mission field, and to tell the good news of Jesus Christ. Do you remember what I shared with you last week about Stacy meeting the need of her neighbor, telling her neighbor to go upstairs and take a rest while she watched her children, and then had the opportunity to have many women over her house to share the good news with her? And three women gave their life to Jesus Christ. That's a true story. And many of you came up to me after the sermon last week and said, wow, that sounds like a great story, Randy. That's never happened for me. But here's the thing. How many people have you sown seeds into their life as a Christian in your Christian experience who one day, one day, will walk up to you in heaven and say, you were the one who sowed the seed of the love of God into my heart. And I am in heaven today because you were faithful. Amen. I want to I have throngs of people come up to members of this church and say it's because of Ashley River that I am here in heaven today. Amen. You see, it's a web. 
All of us have a responsibility to share a good word, to do a good deed, to go out and share the love of Jesus Christ with everyone we come into contact with. Because we never know. We never know. We may not see it ourselves, but we never know. It could be months. It could be years. It could be decades later that somebody finally says, this is truth. Jesus really is real. And they give their life to Christ. You may never know it. But we have to get started. Now. Now. This church has to be evangelistic. Because we have no other way. Jesus said that you are my disciples if you love one another and if you share the good news with those around you. So we see here this morning this beautiful picture of what can happen. Let me just read a few verses more because the story doesn't end there with the spiritual water and the spiritual food and the spiritual harvest. Look at what it says there in verse 39 and following. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. How many of your friends and family and acquaintances need to hear that Jesus is the savior of the world? Oh, friends, I'm telling you, we have 890 thousand people. 90,000 of them are in a church somewhere. So we still have 730,000 people to reach. How many are ready to reach them? My mother-in-law uh, shared with Susan the other day, you all know Margie. She was so excited because she had these cards and she had intention of coming out to this playground right behind our church. Do you know how many families come out to play on this playground? It's amazing. Every single day, all hours of the day. And Margie had made a determination. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to hand out some of these cards. But then she was you know, way late a little bit with Bill. And then she was like, well, you know, the traffic's probably bad. You know, these are the devil working on her. The devil's telling her, yeah, traffic's going to be too much. Don't go. But she felt this, compel this compulsion in her heart to follow the, the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And so she gets in her car. And guess what? Traffic wasn't bad for once in Charleston's life. <laughs> she gets over here to the playground and she cannot believe her eyes. There are dozens and dozens of families at this children's playground right behind our church. And she starts handing out the cards. And then one little child says, I'll go hand them out at school. Give me a stack. And a lady says, I've got, I've got friends in my neighborhood. I'll help you. I'll hand them out. Folks, all it took was a person who was willing and able to go. Are you willing and able to go? 
In two weeks, two weeks, we have an opportunity to celebrate the harvest of God right behind our church. Will you be a part of that great ingathering of God's people? Pray with me. Father, we love you. We thank you for our salvation, the spiritual water, the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Father, help us to surrender. Now that we're saved, help us to surrender everything, every fiber of our being to your will and your work. Lord, when we're surrendered, Lord, we must be obedient in sowing the seeds of the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone we come into contact with. Lord, our salvation leads to our surrender, and our surrender leads to our sowing. That's really what it's about, Father. Spiritual water, spiritual food, and spiritual harvest. Help this church be a beacon on a hill that everyone knows that God loves them. God has a plan for them. God wants to have a relationship with them and that they can have that relationship not only for the here and now, but for the eternal through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please stand with me. We're going re- to sing a hymn of invitation. And if you've never trusted, I'm not going to assume that there's not a person in this room who's never taken that step to trust Jesus Christ. People do need the Lord. Are you one of those people who needs the Lord? You come forward. You come here and I will pray with you. If you want to come and join this church, if you want to join this fellowship, this army of God, this spiritual house, these people of God who are called to go and to love this community, then you come. If you want to commit to doing extra work here at this church, to be able to share the gospel, please, you come, you make that commitment right here, or you can make that commitment right where you are. But as we sing this hymn of commitment, may you make a change, a decision in your heart. Let's sing together.